All right, here we go. The Let's Go Eat show. This time, it's our good friend, Ben Winslow. Ben Winslow, of course, a Fox 13 uh, reporter. He's a newsman. He's the guy. He's, uh, if you want to know what's going on, particularly in local politics uh, here at, in Salt Lake, Ben Winslow is the reporter for you. His uh, reports on Fox News are terrific on Fox 13, but he, he's also, even if you don't watch Fox News, you can learn a lot of news from Ben just by following his Twitter account. I've wanted to talk to Ben for a long time uh, here on the Let's Go Eat show, and uh, so we did. Uh, no, I should tell you that we we did not eat on this uh, episode of the Let's Go Eat show, and I, either we're going to have to change the name or we're going to have to start eating more on the show. All we did was drink water. So I guess we call it the Let's Go Drink show. Anyway, without further ado, here he is, Ben Winslow. This is I'm I'm usually sitting on that side. Do you want to switch places? No, I'm fine. We can do that. No. Oh, it'll be good for him. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, you know, Get out of your comfort zone? It, yeah, it helps. Like, <laughs> so, uh, Ben Winslow, uh, Fox 13. Uh, he, uh, what, is, uh, are you, what is your official title at Fox 13? I am a reporter. Just a, a reporter. Yep. A street reporter. You go yep. out and cover the stuff. I am your Brian Fantana. <sighs> <laughs> I want to find out all about Ben Winslow because I remember when I first heard you, uh, you were on KSL, mm-hmm. and uh, you would do very snappy reports. You know, they you you just you had a certain kind of energy about them. My voice, uh, my radio voice, was described as high pitched and clipped, which yeah, is probably I, accurate. I, I think it. I think it was. It was kind of high pitched. And I remember at the end of your report, I'd go, you'd go, I'm Ben Winslow. <laughs> I'm Ben Winslow. I think I still do that. <laughs> and then I met you uh, somewhere on the street where you were reporting something, and I think you had blue hair. Is that? Oh, I had every color of hair in the book. Um, oh, there were some disasters. Uh, <laughs> the blue was pretty good. I, I, I was a blonde. Um, I had red hair. I think I had green and blue. Um, I had a stripe one time, like white and then a black stripe down the middle like a skunk. Um, I think I asked you at the time, uh, you were, oh, K- what does KSL have to say about all of this and think about that? And I think you said, I don't care. I was on the radio. Yeah. Can't yeah. get away with this on TV, but, yeah. you know, uh, on the radio I could. So where do you, Ben Winslow, where do you come from? Uh, I am uh, born and raised here. Well, born here, spent a little bit of time in Idaho, uh, and then moved back here and, and grew up here in Utah. And uh, has uh, your dream always been to do what you're doing today? Um, yeah, actually. Well, in college, I kind of started out, uh, I wanted to be an art major. Where'd you go to college? Southern Utah University. Okay. I uh, wanted to be an art major and then kind of quickly learned that I wanted to eat. And what kind of art? <laughs> I did uh, mixed media. Uh, so like collage, things oh, like that. Yeah. And you um, still do that? No, no, actually, I don't. Uh, I should pick it back up. I would like to see. Do you still have some of your pieces? Uh, somewhere, I'm sure I do. Oh, you don't have them hanging around? Your no, room? no, no. I, I'm sure if I dug through enough boxes, they would be there. Hmm. But um, yeah, and then I, I I bounced around in college to different majors: sociology, pre-law, business. Uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> political science. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> tried everything. Never actually graduated. Uh, but then I went to. Uh, 
I started working in, in the media. Communications was one of uh, was one of my majors, and I got a job uh, working for a radio station in Southern Utah, uh, a commercial radio station, uh-huh. KBRE. Okay. Southern Utah's real rock and roll. And you were the news guy? Uh, I did news. It was a full-service station. So we played metal, and we played um, – we did sports, we did news, we did everything. So I DJed on weekends. Um, I did the news, and then uh, I also produced some sports games. Really? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, so uh, so you started to like that. You liked broadcast. You liked mm-hmm. radio. And uh, where, so where you, where did you grow up, though? You in Salt Lake. Where in Salt Lake did you grow up? I grew up in Utah County. Utah County. Mm-hmm. Uh, high school, you went to Provo High? American Fork. American Fork High mm-hmm. School. And what, what, ki- what kind of a kid were you there? Were you the artistic kid? Uh, yeah, I was kind of a little bit of a misfit, I'd like to think of myself as. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, uh, uh, you, you have a very, like, winning kind of way about you a really nice personality oh like, that's very flattering well like this is a nice guy you when you meet ben winslow you go hey, this is a nice guy wow you, you flatter wouldn't, me would, wouldn't you agree when you yeah yeah and i mean i and it kind of comes across even on on tv certainly it's uh ben winslow is a nice guy hmm. uh, see and i'd put i'd think of i mean i picture you in high school as like a student body president you oh, seem like that oh, kind of no. you're just very no, 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 no. you'd be good at that being friendly. I was not part of the cool kids. No. 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 You, were, you were kind of um an outcast. I a little bit. What That's did you how do? I felt. Were you in the band? Were you No, in no, theater? I wasn't in band. You... I uh art. You were, okay. Art. I did newspaper and yearbook and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but yeah. Did so you get you, good grades? Did I get good grades? Yeah. yeah. All right. You had you, so you had a circle of friends, mm-hmm. just, just some friends that, you know, but not certainly not one of the big men on campus, none of the popular. Kids. I certainly don't think of myself no. as Were that. Were you at a all. religious kid in, growing up in Utah County? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I went to Mormon church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you go to college and uh, find your niche, I guess, in broadcasting. Uh, and how, did you continue? Did you get a degree there, or did you go someplace else? I after? never graduated. I'm a college uh, dropout, essentially. Because you started working. Yeah, I did. Uh, so you were working at this uh, radio station in um, southern Utah, in St. Mm-hmm. George. I was working uh, there. I worked actually about three or four jobs um, when I was in college. Uh, I mean, you have to pay your tuition. Yeah. Uh, so I worked there. I was a stringer for the Salt Lake Tribune. I worked for the college radio station, and then I still worked for the college newspaper, which gave me a, a book stipend. So writing so, is a, was a big part of, yeah, of what you did as well. I did a lot of that, and um, it gave me a lot of experience for news and because uh, I just kind of found myself doing more and more and more news. Uh, print Never considered print journalism, really? Oh, I did. You did consider I did. It. I mean, I worked for the Salt Lake Tribune, and I worked for the Deseret News in my career. Yeah. Uh, and but never decided. Thought I'm just going to go full bore. I thought I into would being, into being a print. Journalist. I thought I would, but you know, then I found opportunities in broadcasting and uh, started doing that too. So uh, when did you step up to the big time? Uh, did you go immediately to uh, a KSL from uh, KBRE? Yeah, I did. Um, and then I worked uh, the overnights. K- at KSL, KSL. KSL is a big time. I mean, that is a big-time job, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, so you did uh, news reports for them in the day, and then what did you do I actually started working uh, graveyards for them. 
doing was, what? Uh, you would just keep the station on the air. Yeah, I, that's how I started in radio, too. Yeah. and um, Pushing buttons. and Occasionally, you'd go out to crime scenes and things like that, whatever happens overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would do reports for the morning news. And then eventually, I just started moving up. Um, I did some producing for them, some reporting for them. Um, and then eventually, uh, after a few years there, after about... Mm, four or five, maybe six years, uh, I, I went over to work as a crime reporter for the Deseret News. Oh, so you slipped you slip back over to uh, print journalism. When you when you were working at KSL, uh, you, you, and you worked kind of worked your way into a pretty good position, uh, six years, what, what do you remember as being one of the bigger stories you covered on radio? Oh, we covered a lot of the... A lot of stuff that happened. I mean, uh, I remember covering the uh, Elizabeth Smart kidnapping. Oh, yeah? And uh, the Lori Hacking murder. Those were oh, yeah. really big yeah, ones. Yeah. Um, the prosecution of polygamist Tom Green was another one. Oh, yeah, sure. The guy, the guy, the magazine uh, scam salesman guy with all the wives out in a trailer somewhere. And they didn't they they were they sold magazine subscriptions. Uh, as I did recall. a number of things. Yeah. What, uh, so when you cover stuff like. Uh, the Elizabeth Smart thing, or even uh, more, uh, the Lori Hacking uh, murder, which I remember well because um, that apartment is like really close to my house. <laughs> I, I now, as I think about it, I, I I remember a KSL report. Pretty sure it was a KSL report about that murder, and I I don't think it was you reporting it, but some some guy. Uh, you know, a, a, a person on the street who lived in the neighborhood or something, and he told the reporter that his name was Yukon Cornelius. Oh dear! And it and that that was on it, he, that got on the air, and it was a recorded report, so it just aired over and over again. So this because I forget who the reporter was, mm-hmm. but he said, "And what's your name, sir?" And he said, "It's Yukon Cornelius." Which is a character from the year they stole Santa Claus or Christmas or whatever it is, Rankin and Bass. <laughs> We got a good laugh out over that here at uh, X96. Uh, but uh, you, so when you cover stories like the Lori Hacking deal, you follow it through, right? You, we try, certainly. From, I, mean, I mean, as a reporter, you kind of start at the beginning. The crime has been committed. And then you, you keep reporting on the various steps mm-hmm. that go on. That must get – I think that must be hard to do sometimes. You have to interview – Family members, mm-hmm. you have to interview suspects sometimes. How do, isn't that difficult? I wouldn't like to do that, I don't think. It can be. I mean, uh, we're always, of course, grateful to the people who choose to share their stories with us. And, um, you know, I try to have a lot of empathy for the people who uh, we're covering and try to remember that they are not just a, a story, as it were. They mm-hmm. are, you know, people. These are people who are impacted by this. Um, on all sides of the uh, issue. And so, you know, I mean, you just try to remember that as you do that. that yeah, you know, I don't rem- have, have empathy for these people. I don't remember the guy's, her husband's name, but but he was the, he was the uh, ultimately the guy who, who killed her and put her in a, a dumpster. And mm-hmm. ended, she ended up at the landfill, as I recall. Her body did, and it was a miracle that it was ever even... It took but, months yeah, to find her, yes. Right, but they did recover a, mm-hmm. a body from the landfill. But uh, To give our family some closure, yes. Yeah, and, but you had, you, you, I assume you or somebody had to talk to his parents as well. And mm-hmm. that, Did you interview his parents? Yes, uh, yes I have. And that, <clears throat> that must me. be awfully hard. 
It is. But again, I mean, everybody in these situations is going through something and you, you definitely want to uh, talk to all of them. And, and, you know, so we can people can fully understand what exactly happened. Do you ever consider um, what is what is there or is there a line or do you ever think about it that there is a line between reporting things that are uh, important for people to know and just being sensational about this. Certainly. I, I certainly do. And I think that that's also a lot of that is a matter of, of people's personal tastes to, to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's something we, we constantly think about. Does K, did KSL have certain standards where they, oh, yeah. would, where they would say, we don't want you to oh, yeah. you know, go – Go into there are gruesome details in stories sometimes. Yeah, I think that there's, you can there's leave also out. just a manner of, of taste. You yeah. know, and I mean, there's stuff that you can leave out, and it probably doesn't affect the truth. I mean, I, every news outlet I've worked for has their standards of what they, you know, there are some things, yeah, it's a matter of good taste. And sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. I'm not saying that we're anybody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and. Reporters, as such as yourself, sometimes have the tendency to specialize mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, you know, there are sometimes there are, and not, maybe not so much as there used to be. I don't know. But it seemed like there used to be people where they were, they're crime reporters. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of what they did. That was their beat. Um, uh, did you, uh, you, and you did a lot of crime reporting. At the Deseret News, I was a full-time crime reporter. Ah. And so, um, yeah, I, that was what I solely focused on. And you had to go to murder scenes. Oh, yeah. We would go to crime scenes. We would go to uh, court hearings, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, at Fox, uh, I do a lot of politics and courts. Those really kind of seem to be the two uh, that I focus a lot on. I mean, I'm considered a general assignment reporter, so I'll cover all manner of different things. If but you need to, yeah. Yeah, uh, but a lot of the specialties that I have, are, and they're kind of carryovers from a lot of things, except for politics, mm-hmm. I uh, was kind of pushed uh, into covering politics at Fox. How, uh, how did that happen? Uh, I was made to by uh, our the former news director at Fox 13, uh, Renee Bodley. She pushed me to cover the legislature, and I kept resisting because I was like, I'm a, I was a crime reporter. I'm, I'm much more comfortable covering uh, that. And I used to joke with her that at least with crime, I know who the bad guy is. <laughs> well, uh, politics, some... I have no clue. But uh, you don't. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> it's it's you're gonna go cover this, and and now it's you, you know it's funny because now I really like covering the hill and um, it, it becomes a struggle to try to tear me away from that place. Uh, let's uh, go back to uh, crime reporting for uh-huh. just a second. Um, how is it um, how is it possible for you, which I, I see you and you're, uh, as I say, you come across as just the nicest guy, a sweet man, a very pleasure, ple- pleasant person, and you have to go look at crime scenes and, and look at Pretty some pretty awful stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. How do you? How did you do that? Um, you just you soldier through. I mean, I don't think that anybody can really, you know, have a, a chipper attitude for that. You know, especially <laughs> when you're looking at gruesome things and kind of by proximity living through people's worst nightmares. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at the worst of the uh, humanity. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes. And and it's some of them still bother me. I mean, especially crimes involving children. They mm-hmm. still get to me. Yeah. And uh you just you you feel for people it's mm-hmm. so bad and um but you know we do we do have a job to do and and we try to tell people's stories 
Uh, so you go to Fox. Uh, how did that come about, by the way? Was it, did you decide to kind of go and mm-hmm. try and be a TV guy? Uh, they approached me. Oh. They approached me and um, decided to do it, Since decided to go for it. Uh, I, was, I started out as a um, – what the term is, is an MMJ, which is a multimedia journalist. Which means you shoot and edit your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I promised him one step above YouTube, which, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm proud to say at least I delivered that. Yeah, well, um, that's Wasn't nice. always in focus, but hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then uh, and now I, yeah, I just uh, cover a lot of, again, politics and courts for them. Um, so uh, you you had to change your your image and your style. Oh for, yeah, I mean, gone were the days of the uh, multicolored hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean now Ben Winslow is uh, a dapper, pretty snappy dresser and and uh, always looks well, well that, That's very kind of you well, to it's say. True. I mean, you're sitting here across from me, and I look like a schlub, <laughs> and uh, you're well coiffed. You have. Uh, I a, let me tell you, I never had body image issues until I started working in television. Really? <laughs> now I will say this, and I hope I don't offend you, but you've lost uh, quite a bit of weight since I first met you. Well, thank you. I mean, it's true. Thank you. It? Thank you so much. That, isn't that the case? You just made my day. But, or, or, or are you just hiding it well? I, I think I hide it well. Um, <laughs> no, you, you know, lost... middle age is creeping up on me, and uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you lost the a lot of weight. The old metabolism isn't quite what it used to be. Well, you have to be more careful, <laughs> that's for sure. But And then, and you, and I mean, have you, well, you're an artist by uh, at base, so you must, I guess you have a sense of style just innately because. You know, before I started in television, I didn't own a suit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Then I. When I don't I got think the job, I own one now. When I got the job, I went and bought a bunch of suits, and um, mm. you know, you just kind of. Mr. Mac. No, <laughs> <laughs> I did not, Mr. Mac. I, I did. Uh, I, I actually went to Las Vegas and went to the factory outlets there because mm-hmm. they were cheap. Yeah. You know? So you. So now you cover the hill. You cover politics. Mm-hmm. You cover, and uh, we kind of refer to you around here when your name comes up as the hardest working. Oh. Uh, the hardest working man in uh, TV news because you seem to be everywhere based on your uh, you know your Twitter feed uh, you seem to be everywhere during the political season especially but you're uh, there you're you're in the courtroom sometime you're at the legislature you're at committee meetings you're at uh, protests you're at everything is do you work more than 10 hours a day yeah sometimes Especially during the legislative session, there's just so much going on. They cram an awful lot into 45 days. Right. And, and it's stuff that people need to know about. I mean, this is important. All of the decisions they make up there affect every single one of us. And I know it's not always the sexiest news of the day, but it's important. Uh, your taxes pay for everything. You pay for this. Stop. You're making me sick. You deserve <laughs> to know what is going on. Yeah. Uh, is there... Um now you've gotten to be a, a familiar face up there. They know you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how long have you been covering the oh, legislature? Uh, I think I'm going into my fourth or fifth year. Yeah. So and people sixth know year, you. Maybe. They know you. They see you coming. Time means nothing up there, by the way. N- what, no, <laughs> it's timeless, isn't it? Uh, but so uh, you have access to people. Uh, are people pretty open with you, you think, of the legislature, politicians? I'd like to think that, uh, you know, you can walk up to any of them and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't say it's so much a matter of access. It's just, you know, you can go up and talk to them mm-hmm. or you can try. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it depends on the subject matter. You get depends shut, on the mood you, of the day. You get shut down sometimes? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I'm yeah. not talking if, about that, Ben. If it's a if it's a particularly hot topic, yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. people don't want to talk about it, but I'm also like, why are you running the bill if you don't want to talk about it? Defend mm-hmm. your position. How do you decide or uh, what to cover? I think a lot of it is just I, I try to cover as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And some things are 20 seconds in a newscast. Some things are two minutes in a newscast. Mm-hmm. It just depends. I think we just try to see what it is that people care the most about and what people need to know the most about. Because when you think about it, there's more than 1,500 bills filed every year up there. And not every one of them makes it very far. Some of them are even non-starters. We try to cover as many of them as we can, but some of them are very technical. So some of those, unless it has significant impacts on people, I I may just not write very much. Zoning issues. Yeah, or a cleanup bill, what we call a cleanup bill, which means it just clarifies language in existing statute because there was some little problem that emerged. Well, some of that stuff maybe. Only a handful of people are really going to care about. But, you know, an issue, say, medical marijuana or an issue, say, tax reform, those are big deals. People tend to roll their eyes at tax reform bills, but it's a big deal. Well, because it sure is it's un- what you're paying for. Yeah, it it's sure the is. government services that you say that you need, that you want, that you're paying for yeah. and how, how much you pay. It sure is. It's certainly Liquor. a big deal on the national scene right now. Yes, and, and there's going to be a local bill coming up. Uh, it's a 260-page bill, and it takes a look at everything. It's a big deal. So, um, you know, and liquor bills, those are always big yeah. deals. I mean, we are one of uh, 17 liquor control states. Mm-hmm. So what they do has a big impact on tourism, on hospitality, on just general consumer issues. On, on how much I can, can or cannot drink at any given time? Uh, All of that. When you uh, um, uh, cover the legislature, you keep your opinions kind of out of it, I think. I certainly think that's my job to keep my opinions out of it, and I certainly try. I'm not sure how you do that. I, you just you, – you have an obligation to present, you know, to present the story. And, and let, you know, I kind of – to use a cliche, I report, you decide. Yeah. Do you, do you like, sometimes interview somebody and then after the interview you, like – you get mad at them does it affect you can like you just shut off shut off the your personal bias when you go in the door i certainly try to you know you like turn away and go oh, you know anyway. look i'm not a robot i i, I have feelings I and i have opinions but it's not my job to put those in a newscast it's my job is to tell the story I'm gonna right put, right okay, I'm, like, gonna, I'll put, I'm gonna put him on the spot here okay i'm gonna put you on the spot with this i don't know how you can do that sometimes when it is clear that the lies are being told, mm-hmm. and I just, I'm just so I angry think if- over this whole bear's ears thing, and every single politician who's been in favor of of reducing the bear's ears national monument, every single one from the national level to the local level, the people that are in favor of it are lying to the public constantly. How do you not just say, of course you know these are lies, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I think we try to point out. You know, we do try to point out. There is fact-checking that goes on. And I think we try to point out. I mean, people do have perspectives, though, that they're entitled to present. I I think there's a big debate right now also in in journalism about uh, the idea of this – the equivalency – you know, do you give equal attention to this versus this Mm -hmm. or do you give – you know, some attention to this and more attention to this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, we've seen that play out on a number of 
large stories. And <laughs> and I think that that's, that's worth discussing, and I think that that's worth uh, keeping in mind as you cover things. The Fairness Doctrine, as it was uh, uh, called some years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and it used to say that it, it gave people this – template that said, you know, you need to offer equal time to, if you're talking about something on this side of the political I thought that only applied to political candidates, though. it It did. It did. And it only does. But people have tried to put it you know, apply it to other things. Well, it's not fair. You give the, you give this side, you give mm-hmm. this, this opinion, all this, uh, uh, it, it's only with political candidates. That's it. That's you can cover it. Other than that, you can cover it anywhere you want. There's no law that says you have to be, you know, give be, equivalent time on on uh, on issues. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that bullshit that Fox says about fair and balanced. That's just nothing other than bullshit. It, because a, they don't do it, but, but b, you don't have to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not con- I'm I'm not uh, condemning them for what. The, the fact that they don't do it, they're entitled to give an opinion however they want. But, you know, so you don't have to be fair and balanced on all those other things. Yeah, but I think it's an ideal to try for. I think, I think you know, so that you can understand all perspectives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I completely understand your point. I'm also just saying that, you know, there is sure. – you certainly don't want to give short shrift or mm-hmm. exclude something even if it's something that – you may not necessarily like or agree with. Again, I think that's for the the viewer, the audience mm-hmm. to decide. Yeah, I you know I you know, was... but I, I I certainly think you have a valid point on on false equivalency. Mm-hmm. False equivalency. Yeah, I you know I listened to this program called On the Media, mm-hmm. and it's, it's Brooke great. Gladstone. Yeah, and uh, Bob Garfield, uh-huh. and it's great. Have you ever seen their their templates of the um, the breaking news consumer guide, the fake news consumer guide, the little templates that they push out on uh, social I media? I just saw it today, as a matter of fact. They like... are fantastic, and I would encourage anybody mm-hmm. um, to to check those out because they are. I I you know I, mm-hmm. I cover breaking news. I cover things that could be you know you you do find things that get circulated around that are could be fake news, and you know it's worth keeping those. In mind, yeah, they're they're fantastic. Yeah. I don't understand quite what you guys are talking. About. Yeah, to explain it's, this, um, so on the media pushes out usually whenever there's a huge breaking news event, uh, a, hand, a consumer handbook or a consumer guide for breaking news, which which has some some really interesting points and and it's things that people should remember, which is the you know that the initial reports are not always correct. Information is still coming in. This happens to us constantly. We go out and we not everything is encapsulated right then and there in a breaking news situation. It's you you discover things as time goes on. Um, you know, it is be wary of when people go sources tell us mm-hmm. this, you know, and yeah. and that is true because sources are not always correct. Sometimes you are hearing things second and third hand. We certainly try to get first hand accounts. We try to get information but some of these things develop with time and and so i just think that uh it, what what on the media puts out is is very um it's 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 very handy i just for people uh, to keep an eye on. i just found the template uh it's called the breaking news consumers handbook and it says number one and some of the things you've been saying are, are some more details as well in the immediate aftermath of breaking news news outlets will get it wrong the, it happens. Yeah. 
Uh, we certainly try not to, but it happens. And, you know, part of it is we're, we have this 24-hour news cycle and so oh many gosh, yes. so many ch- stations and outlets that do it that everybody's got to be right there and start talking about it whether they know what's going on or not. Uh, number two, don't trust uh, anonymous sources. That's what uh, you said. Uh, number three, don't treat stories that cite another news outlet as the source of the information. Number four, there's almost never a second shooter. <laughs> I like that one. There's almost never a second shooter. But you'll hear that. Mm-hmm. Now there are reports that there's been, there, there may be a second shooter, so we're, there almost never is a second shooter. Uh, pay attention to the language the media uses, like, we are getting reports. That could mean anything. Mm-hmm. We are seeking confirmation. That means they don't have confirmation. Mm-hmm. They don't know. And number three, uh, like uh, CNN has learned, which means it has a scoop or it's going out on a limb. Mm-hmm. It could mean either one of those things. Uh, number f- uh, There are only f- f- four more. Number six, look for news outlets close to the incident. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if it's Keep happening. news local. Yeah. If it's happening in Salt Lake, you tune in to Ben I, Winslow I, on Fox. I cannot emphasize that enough anymore, yeah. especially these days. Keep news local. I'm going to talk about, let's talk about, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, for instance, the uh, just when I finish this list, the Elizabeth Smart thing. You were there covering it as a local guy. I want you to talk about your relationship uh, with the uh, the all the national news media guys that came in. You, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so uh, let's see. Then number seven, uh, compare multiple sources. Number eight, big news brings out the fakers and photographers. There's a lot of fake news that goes or, around. Uh, Photoshoppers, I mean. Especially on social media immediately after a, a major event. There's a lot of that. Uh, uh, Donald Trump is right. There is fake news. It's usually not the stuff he's citing, but there is fake news out there. And then number nine, this is the finest, final one, beware reflexive retweeting. Some of this is on you. That's what it says. Some of this is on you. So in other words... You're you're retweeting something before all the facts are in. As a consumer, if you do this, you tend to uh, perpetuate perpetuate it. Yes, I did that the other day. You retweeted something that turned out. Yeah, somebody posted a picture. It was when when Trump was in town of uh, of a tweet he sent that was making fun of Utahns and calling them dumb or Mm something or weirdos or something, and I. I don't like Trump, so I went, yeah, see, see, that guy's an ass, mm-hmm. and I retweeted it, and then all of a sudden, like, all these people come out. That that's fake. That's fake. That's a fake. That's exactly what they're talking and about. And I and I and I went and I deleted it. But it's like, just good stuff for this. This stuff is just good for people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, to, yeah. To know. Yeah. Well, we're on this, and we'll get to the Elizabeth yeah. Smart in a minute. Um, uh, Bill mentioned it, but when when there is breaking news, go to Ben's Twitter feed. Go just follow yeah. Ben and refresh an event, and you'll know before anybody else. Like at some point, did you are, are you somebody who just likes social media and is good at it, or did you make a conscious effort to I'm going to be good at Twitter? No, no, it just kind of happened. Um, I opened a Twitter account at the when I was at the Deseret News, and um, for a long time it was actually a private account, um, and then sure. just started using it and just started using it and. Uh, I'd like to joke that it it, it helps me focus because I I think I have a little bit of ADD going on and mm-hmm. um, so it it 
keeps my attention, mm-hmm. um, the constant refresh of, of things and, and, and thoughts and ideas and um, headlines and stuff like that. So um, it just kind of evolved. Yeah. It was and- nothing – planned or coordinated and now i i kind of joke that it's it's gotten a little out of control where it takes up a lot of of my life <laughs> well and it certainly seems now that twitter is one of the biggest newsmakers i mean in a lot of I mean, news breakers yeah really. i mean i the one thing that well it that, doesn't offer that that a traditional newspaper newscast uh offers is context right um it's a good it's a good wire service yeah. for headlines mm-hmm. um but it, it's not I, – I would argue that it, it's not the full story. Yeah. But and I, and I, I can tell you that because there's only so much I can do in 140 or now 280 right. characters uh, that I can do a lot more in a newscast in a formal story right. when I have 500 words or more than that to uh, explain something. Right. Now it's – but I mean even – it's literally making news. Like how many, ni- how many times a night on, on, on Fox 13 will somebody say, so-and-so tweeted that? Yeah. How, it it know, happens. I mean, Kim Jong and Donald are fighting on Twitter again. Yeah, and and you could even argue the the importance of that has been escalated since uh, the the president yeah. has a, a yeah. uses his Twitter account and uses it a lot. Yeah, um, I would just point out that uh, Kim Jong Un doesn't have Twitter. It's I true. I don't, I don't think he does. I don't believe he has Twitter. They, they don't, it's not allowed in his country, and I don't believe he has it. But Donald Trump makes a lot of comments about Rocket Man on Twitter. Uh, so let's talk about the um, relationship. And the Elizabeth Smart story would be one, but I know you've probably had this been around at, on other stories that are big enough to attract national n- news outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the relationship of local reporters with uh, and, and you don't have to be nice. You're a nice guy. But what is the relationship of local news reporters with some of now the big stars of me- media who come to town to cover things? Um, you know, it just depends. I think it depends on the situation. I mean, I know a lot of people who work at networks, and I, I have a lot of respect for them. Um, I also have a lot of friends who work for some of these outlets. Um, and I myself have done some freelance work for them and – Occasionally, some of my reports will get picked up by CNN or Fox News. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, but it is it is interesting to see when uh, outlets kind of parachute in and and cover a story. Um, You're, you've been on the scene for a week, and here they come. Here they come, and how things change. There is there is a little bit of a, a dynamic change mm-hmm. when you know there's a lot of uh, attention toward they they. Um, they try to push you aside, don't yeah, they? There's a little bit of that, yeah. and you kind of have to elbow back. Yeah. Um, I, I always like to tell people that you know, national is fleeting, local is forever. That's and good. We're going like to be that. here tomorrow, mm-hmm. yeah. and the next day, and the next day. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think for the most part, we are all trying to tell the same story. We do have different audiences. Mm-hmm. I'm um, sure there are plenty of nice people mm-hmm. and and i'm not trying to say that there are a bunch of monsters that come to town to cover these stories but i i know i hear stories of you know it's sort of a laziness sometimes you know they'll they uh, uh they come to you and say uh, so what's what what's the story ben uh, give me give me some yeah and i've they, had a few of those you know what i mean they yeah they, you've done the legwork and then they come and, I, and get it from you. I've had a few of those where, where people just yeah. basically want me to do their work for them. And yeah. it's like, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Oh, and, good. You know, I yeah. mean, I, my duty is I to mean, the people that pay my bills, which is my station. Can, and, you, re- can you really look at a, at a big-time reporter and say, 
you know, I think you have to go find that out for yourself. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I've I've had a, I've had a couple of instances in my now twenty years in journalism where I've had people mm-hmm. ask for who my sources are, and I just kind of have to say, well, they wouldn't be sources for very long if I told you. Now, now would they? Yeah. And so, have you ever? Have you ever? You've never had to confront the uh, problem of uh, being asked by uh, a court to reveal your sources. Yes, have I have. You? Oh, really? Yes. Tell, tell yes, us about I have. that. Um, a couple of times I've had that. Uh, usually it never gets very far, but um, there was uh, an instance uh, in the Warren Jeffs trial mm-hmm. uh, where we had published some stuff and uh, there was a push to try to get us to disclose our sources and we resisted. Um, ultimately, uh, it didn't go anywhere. But I do, um, I n- I Now you mentioned that. I do remember yeah, uh, so being and I thought maybe some reporters or a reporter or two might have to go to jail, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. No. So, well, it did, so does that in that case, the court kind of backed off and said, "All right." The, the, yeah, the subpoena was quashed basically, yeah. and so it it didn't happen. But you know, you just prepare yourself for that possibility. What do you think about using words like quashed? The only time you ever hear the word quashed is in in newspapers and sometimes in not so much I, on I, I am proud to say I got rebuked in a television newscast really? the other night. Yes, rebuked. So tell us about it. Uh I I'm trying to even remember the the context but uh of the story. I'm I'm just blanking right now on the story, but I was very proud of the fact that we used the phrase rebuked in a newscast. Oh, you you said rebuked. And yes. and did somebody And it was even in the graphic rebuked. <laughs> now, see, I know what that means, but did somebody then say to you, no, 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 no one said anything. I just it's just one of those words that you you don't hear very often. No. And and I one thing I don't like is some of the word choices that that end up, especially in political coverage, you hear bashed or slams or things like that. It's not a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. I mean, arguably, it's an intellectual wrestling match. But, mm-hmm. you know, these people aren't taking chairs to each other, I, I, at I, least not very often, but, yeah, it uh, happens. you know, it, it's, it is kind of funny. Just I get tired of hearing stumping. You know, stumping? They're, they're stumping, they're, which means they're out campaigning. Yeah. They're out stumping. Yeah, we're yeah. always looking for synonyms. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's what the thing is. And quashed, you never hear that word you never except hear quashed. in relationship to a subpoena. Uh-huh, to court. Yeah. And I just so so why don't why don't they just say uh, they they removed the subpoena or the subpoena was disregarded? Or I think it's because it's sometimes it's a legal term. I mean, on television, I've had to explain what mens rea means, um, and because so the, the what I mens thought rea, that, I thought that was a, a woman's cycle. <laughs> no comment. I, I'm not going there. What is, um, no, now? What is it? Mens mens rea. So it, it's Latin. Mm-hmm. It means guilty yeah. mind. And and a lot of times, in the, and that's kind of the fun part of my job, is I get to explain complex legal terminology or complex legal rulings in a more simplified way. Mm-hmm. And thank you to some very good attorneys in this town who have taken the time to walk me through this, to hold my hand and, and explain to me how some of these things work. Uh, because it's a good way to explain to people uh, you know, how your judiciary works. And how mm-hmm. the court system works. Because, again, this is one of those systems that affects an awful lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the courts, the Utah State Courts' own surveys have found that 80 percent of the news that people get about the ju- judiciary comes from the local news media. Mm. So yeah, that's true. we have a pretty big obligation mm-hmm. to explain it and explain it well. And these decisions that people make, that these judges make, that these attorneys, you know, that the, the discussions that they have in court affect an awful lot of people, not just beyond 
what their the immediate case. Some of these things are what we call precedent setting. So they they you know could impact other cases down the road. So it's kind of fun to try to explain to people this is what this means. Yeah. Can you can you explain sign a die? Or die. It means the end. It's done. That's and essentially it means the end. They say that at the end of the legislature. die is the end of the legislature. That is when the clock strikes midnight. That means that all your bills that are still in play are officially dead, and the legislature is over. So, what should people be looking for? Um, well, let me ask you this first. Uh, this the Bears' ears story. Mm-hmm. It is a big story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has implications. Uh, for local people, it has implications for people nationally because uh-huh. those are public it's lands. A huge, it's a huge yeah, issue. Those yes. are public lands that really are owned by everyone in the, in the country. Uh, it has a, a big implication for the Native American mm-hmm. tribes. Do you, this, you probably don't want to do this, but what do you think? Do you have some prediction? Where do you think this is going to go? Where it's going to end up? Well, I think immediately you know that um, this will go to the courts. Yeah, uh, because this is a, an interesting area. Of, I think five and, entities have sued. Uh, so three lawsuits that I've counted so mm. far. There's coalitions of of lawsuits. You have the lawsuit over the Grand Staircase Escalante National mm-hmm. Monument. You have the lawsuits, the two lawsuits over Bears Ears, and they're all challenging the president's authority uh, to make these decisions to mm. to reduce the size of the monuments. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the, the courts decide in this. Um, but that's essentially what's happening there. The land itself, um, it still remains federal land. Yeah. Uh, important to note yeah. that this is not – but the designations have different implications because uh, if you reduce it and then it still remains federal land, that there is the potential for oil and mineral extraction right. in some some areas. Uranium. Uh, that's a possibility. Um, you know what what happens with those? Uh, there's also, of course, uh, the push now to create a, a national park um, in the Escalante area, mm-hmm. Escalante Canyon area, which uh, does get it more resources in terms of financial resources from the federal government. But then there's the interesting wrinkle of how are you going to pay for that? Mm-hmm. Um, because the national parks have a big old backlog, as we yeah. know. That's why they're talking about $70 entrance fees at some of them, um, which is getting its own pushback. Yeah. I mean, all of this, these these things are, are all in play. And, um, you know, the president, the, the groups that are suing over this certainly needed the president to make the decision so that they could mm-hmm. pursue this sure. in the courts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't have one without the other. You can't sue over something the president hasn't done. Um, so arguably, you would say on that issue, you're, you're maybe halftime. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to go all the way to the Supreme Court, wouldn't you think? Because the Antiquities Act is kind of the— Hard to say. It's kind of the bedrock of it. Hard to say uh, if this could. I mean, it certainly could. Mm. Um, the, the bigger issue becomes, does the Supreme Court even take this case? Mm. Um, you know how this works in federal courts is the district court will hear this, and they sued in Washington D.C. They did not sue in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the groups have filed their lawsuits. Um, there is the potential that a judge takes all of these and puts them into one uh, lawsuit. You mm-hmm. could create like a sure. master lawsuit that ha- that has happened before. I don't know if it'll happen in this situation. Maybe the circumstances aren't right for that kind of thing. Uh, but they are similarly situated cases. Um, then if the losing side, you can anticipate appeals to the uh, circuit court, which would handle that. And then 
potentially the Supreme Court, depending on how the rulings go. Uh, it's uh, uh, one of the uh, just one of the, and then we'll move on from this. One of the, I think one of the, it's interesting to note that uh, one of the lawsuits contains a group of uh, entities. Uh, or is all of the filed? lawsuits actually contain groups of entities. Yeah, I guess more than one. They're all coalition-based yeah. lawsuits. Yeah. Um, the Patagonia lawsuit has Utah Dinabakea. It has a, a number of other groups. Uh, there's a lawsuit with the Navajo Nation that has right. a number of other tribes. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, the lawsuit uh, by Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. And, and then those has... groups over Escalante, which is uh, the uh, – that's kind of that particular area. And those are some of the environmental groups. And they have – and also in that group, which I think is really fascinating, paleontologists – Oh, yeah, and, there's a and number arch- of And archaeologists and antiquarians. And as you go into these lawsuits, as these go through the court system, you will also find what's called friend of the court briefs, which means mm-hmm. they're amici or uh, amicus briefs. There's one of those words. Another one of those words. Um, just means friend of the court. It means friend of the court, which is I, I use them interchangeably because I'd like to think that people, you know, maybe you get a little Latin with your newscast. Okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> and and um, it, it basically, yeah, these are people who say that, we just want to weigh in. We want our position heard. We want our position considered as this case is litigated. So what, Ben Winslow, what should people be looking forward to? Uh, we're coming to the end of the year here. The legislature will convene in uh, January. Hang on, hang on. Uh, what? Before, before you we have leave, a question about amicus briefs? Uh, I do. Um, <laughs> do they come in all colors? Um <laughs> Uh, Bears ears. We were talking a little bit before we started about so Donald Trump came to Utah to make that announcement, mm-hmm. and you covered that, and you were kind of in his. I was in the the press pool for yeah. the White House. Yes. Yeah, tell us tell us about that. What that was like for you, and what what you whirlwind. I have never seen uh, the pace at which they move. Mm. I've never done that before. That was a, a neat experience to be part of the uh, White House travel pool. And um, How, what uh, just step by step go through. Uh, so we were at the airport um, super early. Uh, we were at the Air National Guard mm-hmm. base, rather, and we were there at six in the morning. Um, and we had it's a lot of hurry up, wait, hurry up, wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the president arrived, we were in the motorcade traveling with him. Oh, really? Uh, we went to when he went to uh, Welfare Square to meet with the LDS church leaders. We were in that mm-hmm. filming that. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and then we were ushered there, and then we went to the Capitol for the proclamation signing. And it was just the pace at which everybody moves. It's go, 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 go. I mad respect to my colleagues in D.C. because that's a pace that I – They do it all the time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, and they just – they're constantly moving. Yeah. Uh, he is moving. They are moving. It is just – it's a, a mad dash. And I thought it was really interesting that – it doesn't matter what event he is at. If there is a question, they will shout it at him. Yeah. Um, we were at LDS uh, at, at meeting Welfare with the LDS. Square. Yeah, Welfare Square. The, the meeting is going on. The president says a, a few words about uh, the church's humanitarian work and how it could be an example to a lot of people. And immediately someone in the crowd shouts a question about Roy Moore and um, about accusations of obstruction of justice. Of course, he doesn't answer it, but they're shouting it. No matter what. Um, And then we go to another bit where he is uh, with a grocery cart. You've seen some of the pictures. I want some tuna fish. Yeah, there was some of that. Um, And they asked about Orrin Hatch right then and there. And he did respond. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the are you encouraging Orrin Hatch to seek reelection? Yes. Yes, he's a good guy. 
Um, and then following that up with, uh, you know, are you trying to send a message to Mitt Romney? And he said he's a good man. Mitt's a good man. I mean, and that was all newsmaking stuff sure. uh, that happened there. And it's just it was just amazing. And then we were quickly ushered did out. Did you into yell the a question? Uh, I did not get a chance to. But uh, there certainly were others who were shouting a lot of questions. I was uh, even uh, as he's getting on Air Force One. They're shouting. They're shouting questions. I was. Uh, I was. Uh, Gina, uh, uh, our partner on the morning show, of course, uh, she she was opining that if if Trump did make any kind of gaffe or uh, odd misstatement, it would be in the meeting with LDS church leaders, and it would be. Uh, well, I can certainly identify with you, you because uh, yeah, I know you have polygamy, and I've had several wives as well, just not at the same time. That he and it would seem like he might say something like that. But at any rate, let's move on to uh, what can people look forward to? What are some of the big issues you think are going to be in the legislature here locally this year? Oh yeah, and um, so I think that um, one of the big ones, taxes. They are they have been doing a deep dive over the last year. Uh, and we've done a few stories on it about uh, taxes. They're looking at everything, income tax, sales tax, property tax, uh, corporation tax, tax breaks that are given out, whether they give out too many uh, to corporations to lure them here for economic incentives. They're looking at everything. Uh, property tax equalization is probably going to be a big fight because that's an issue with school districts. You pay your property taxes. Those go to the school districts. Uh, the idea is that you spread it out so that rural districts maybe get a little more. Or poor But districts, that could yeah. impact uh, districts with larger populations. Think about Salt Lake School District right. or uh, Jordan School District, Canyon School District. That could impact them. They have a high student body population do they get as much money um that'll probably that'll be a big one um you could see oh there's also let's not forget the tax on streamed media uh so the issue is it's like the amazon it's like the amazon sales tax issue yeah discs are discs and downloads are taxed right now yeah but streamed media is not it's a situation where the tax code has not kept up with technology good (laughs) and so well, that's that's an issue for you know lawmakers, and uh, again, anybody who has an opinion on this or has a feeling one way or the other on this, you know, you elect these people. Feel free to contact them. Well, they don't. They but they, <laughs> feel um, free to contact. I know. Them. I always tell people yeah. that. You go know, go ahead and contact you, them. It's whether they'll listen or not is that's enough. hey. Yeah. You know, that's what you, about uh, any sales tax on food? Are we going to talk about uh, that? food taxes? Uh, that could come up again this year. Um, we'll see what happens there because that that always uh, certainly uh, generates a lot of pushback. It's one of the most regressive taxes uh, on the planet. There, you know, there's a, there's the argument that they make for. Spreading out the base of yeah. the tax of the taxes so that you pay lower overall. Mm-hmm. There's that argument that they make. Um, so again, all of these things, taxes is going to be a big one. Uh, I think you might see some medical marijuana legislation again. Yeah. Um, right to die. Uh, right to die. We'll come back again. Not sure how far it will go. Uh, Rebecca Chavez Hauk is uh, in her last term. She has said she's not seeking reelection. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if anybody's picking it up from there. Uh, alcohol legislation, n- they did a big push with the Zion Curtain bill last year. Not sure how much is going to be done this year on it. Uh, there is discussion about a possible 3-2 beer, uh, taking a look at that issue, because as everybody knows, Oklahoma, Kansas, and a num- Colorado, and a number of other states are moving away from 3-2 beer mm-hmm. by 2019. Uh, so 
that leaves Utah as the sole largest consumer of it. Budweiser will stop producing And Heiser-Busch has already said, uh, we're looking at moving away from this. So it's kind of the, hi, Utah, our future plans do not include you. And um, that'll have a big impact. You think about convenience stores and grocery stores, which have invested a lot of real estate in these beer caves, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, What do you do with that? The DABC then becomes the sole provider of high point beer or of, of beer on some of these things, especially if 3-2 beer goes away, mm-hmm. which it won't totally go away, but the market shrinks. Sure. You get yeah, this. The local local breweries still do it. They would still do, still do it, it but they – and then they certainly could enough. increase their market share. But you know, the DABC has said it cannot handle sure. the load if 3-2 yeah. beer went away. They cannot handle the consumer load. They only have so much real estate in their mm-hmm. space. They could get rid of beer, increase that for spirits and wine, and do just fine. Mm -hmm. So there is the discussion about does heavier beer move into grocery convenience stores. Mm -hmm. Again, not sure if we're going to see a bill in 2018 on that or not. Because it's not that imminent. imminent? 2019, I mean, they got a little bit of wiggle room there. And um, let's see, gosh, what else is going to come up? But it seems to me with that, like Anheuser-Busch wants Utah to still buy Budweiser at the same level. and. I mean, couldn't they lobby? Oh, they certainly have oh, a they huge Anyone lobbying lobby. team. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, technically, you can lobby too. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that. I mean, yeah. watch. I'll, keep, I'll go show up it. on the hill. I don't I mean, have I, enough money. To I'm just lobby. saying, no, Anheuser Busch has the money and resources to really lobby. But I, I am, I'm going to give a shout out because every year a number of different groups, and yeah. they are widely political. They range from super liberal to super conservative. Get together and do uh, a, a citizen lobbyist training every year ahead of the legislative session. Um, and, and it is, again, a wide variety of groups. And they teach people how to contact your lawmaker, the most effective ways to contact your lawmaker, the most effective ways to lobby and advocate as a citizen in, in the state. And this is something that I think is lost a lot on the Hill, is that people just letting their lawmaker know. Because it's easy to just roll your eyes, shrug your shoulder, and go, oh, there they go again. Contact your lawmaker. They do these trainings. I encourage anybody, go up, spend a day on the hill, or spend an afternoon, see how the sausage gets made, mm-hmm. and uh, learn about it. Because it's your me, government. Tell me again, who who does that? Uh, a number of how different groups. I... So you have groups ranging from the ACLU of Utah, to Americans for Prosperity, to the Libertas Institute. Uh, they all do these things about how to uh, contact your lawmaker, and, and just keep an eye out, because they'll, they'll post things on like Facebook and, and social media and stuff like that. And um, it's just a really interesting training to basically teach everyday folks how to get involved in your government. The That's easiest cool. way to get your lawmaker to listen to you is to convince Gail Ruzica that your position is a good one and then get her to tell that legislature. Well, she shows up every day to play ball. I know she does because she's got nothing else to do apparently. Well, you know, if more people showed up on the Hill and engaged their lawmakers, uh, I think you can imagine what it would look like. I went up and had lunch with Jim DeBacchus in the in the cafeteria there, and there she was. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, she's there every There's day. There's a number That's of groups that are, that are everyday presences. Jim you took me over and introduced me to uh-huh. her. And- the ACLU of Utah has regular presence. Um, let's see, you know, the Catholic Church has a regular presence on the Hill. Uh, the LDS Church has a regular presence on the Hill. Uh, the Libertas Institute has a regular presence sure. on the Hill. A lot of these people, I mean, for the 45 days, educational groups, Utah Education Association, BTA, mm-hmm. all of these groups uh, show up there. Uh, Utah Taxpayers Association. I mean, all of these groups show up every day to uh, you know make see this legislation right. that they believe in uh, go through. And again, I, I encourage any citizen, just go up, just so you can understand how they do it, yeah. how it happens, how a bill becomes law, they how stop, this happens. They stop the legislators, and these are just citizens groups mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, like there were some animal... Uh, animal welfare mm-hmm. uh, rights groups, and uh, they just they they're they're there, and they'll stop the legislators in the hallway. Mm-hmm. You know, they stop Debacus, and so you know. Oh yeah, J- J- Senator Debacus, Senator, would you, can we talk to you for a second? Mm-hmm. And he and he, I think he's the kind of person he'll talk to anybody. And, but uh, a lot of them, and and you I know, they, mean, you and I don't work mean, on getting. I don't your... mean to denigrate them by saying no, no, no. He'll talk to anybody. He'll he just stopped and talked. A lot to of them and, a lot of lawmakers are actually very receptive and very accessible. Uh, so. What is in the future for Ben Winslow? What would you What would you like to be doing other than this? Where would you like to go? You're, you have a well. I used to joke that if I if I get out of news, that I'll open a food truck. <laughs> <laughs> what, any particular sort of. Oh my gosh! So um, there was once, and I think I, I, I clearly had to have been drinking. Um, <laughs> that it was going to be, um, it was going to be called nachis, and it was sushi nachos. Yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> no, it, it's not. No. It's not. No. Let's let's all agree on that. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I I don't know. I really like doing what I do. Sure. You know, some days are better than others, of course. Would you? I mean, would you like to step up to something above local news or? Uh, I've I've considered it, but I really like where I live. Mm-hmm. I like this community. Yeah, I, I I thought that after the Olympics I would uh, you know get out of Salt Lake, and I've stayed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I enjoy it. I and, like it. And here. you still have family here. Is your, oh, yeah. is your family proud of you? I would hope so. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on, your mom, your dad, all of those. People. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, don't they say that's my boy? We're proud of it. <laughs> they do, don't they? My mom always jokes, "I'm her favorite son." There it you should go. be pointed out. I'm her only son. Ah, <laughs> I I was my mother's favorite son. I knew that. And I was her favorite child, and I had siblings. <laughs> and I'd say, "Come on, mom, you know I'm your favorite," and then she'd admit it. But you told that to the other ones, too, though. I hate I to break it to you after all these years. I know, I know. Uh, ben Winslow, pleasure talking with you here on the Let's Go Eat Show, although we didn't eat. We just drank water. I think I have some Cliff Bars in my bag, if you want. I'm fine. I'm fine. But thanks for the offer. <laughs> uh, we'll watch your news uh, reports on Fox 13. Uh, say hi to our uh, lovely, sweet friend, uh, Hope Woodside, when you see her. she's just. I think she's just one of the greatest people on the planet. I love that person. Uh, and uh, come back again. We'll do. Thanks. All right. All right. Thanks, Dylan, you for are. producing the show. Uh, that's it for the Let's Go Eat Show. I'm Bill Allred. Remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine the double. Broadway Media Podcast Network.